From uninterrupted, this is 17 Weeks, the show that gives you the real-time perspective of NFL stars living through the weekly grind of the season. I'm your host, Nate Burleson. We are joined by my talented co-host, the newest red zone target in Pittsburgh for Big Ben, Steelers All-Pro tight end, Eric Ebron. Now, that ain't got nothing to do with us. <laughs> we gonna be well oiled out now, boy. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Oh, that ain't got nothing to do with it. If y'all get one day, two days, we knew this though. We we've had these discussions. We've had these talks about they're gonna fill that stadium with eleven people on offense, eleven people on defense, and eleven people on special teams. One of the craftiest, most respected wideouts in today's game, New Orleans Saints wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders. I just see a lot of weird stuff going on with these refs. They are quick to throw those flags. I don't know if it's us or I don't know. Like at one point I started thinking, is it the black uniforms or something? I don't know. <laughs> in the outspoken and new crown jewel of the Seattle Seahawks defense, strong safety, Jamal Adams. I've been told in my DMs, man, just just play football. No, nah, I ain't playing just playing football. I'ma speak on what's what's real and what's right. Before we get to this episode, quick timeout. 17 Weeks is available exclusively on the Pandora app and on SiriusXM On Demand. Be sure to subscribe and share the show too while you're at it. All right, let's get to the show. It's time for the breakdown. Well, week three is officially in the books. As we roll into October, coaches are already on the hot seat. We've got our first big quarterback controversy and a few teams are beginning to separate in the standings. Among the seven unbeaten teams, many are expected, but there are a few surprises too. We even had our first COVID outbreak, but we'll get to that later. The last Sunday in September was packed. Another week of nail biters, including a fun one in Pittsburgh between the winless Houston Texans and the still unbeaten Steelers, featuring our man in the middle, Eric Ebron. Rainbow, touchdown, Eric Ebron. Eric had his own coming out party in Pittsburgh's 28-21 come from behind win catching five passes for 52 yards, including his first TD reception as a Steeler. The former Colt leaned on his AFC South experience in this one. We were facing a desperate team. For a team that wins the division, I know playing in that division, I was in Indianapolis. They won a division the last two years I was there. So you don't expect them to come out of the season 0-2. Our week of preparation was just to, you know, pretty much bring our work hats because we knew that they were going to come out with everything they had, and they gave us everything they had. I mean, I think they had us down like 14 points. We were like stuck in mud, but they were giving us everything they got. So we had to get our sh together, man, honestly. And throughout the game, we just, our playmakers just had to make plays. Uh, Juju had a crazy play that kept one drive alive, breaking a tackle and diving for a first down. So many big plays in a run game. Our offensive line played great, tried to keep uh, been as clean as possible with J.J. Watt on the other side. So it's it's kind of tough. So kudos to us, man. We just, we execute our game plans. And, and when our game plan's not working, man, our players come up big. And that's that's really, you know, um, says a lot about what kind of team we have and how much trust we put into each other when we're out there. Ends on shot again. Touchdown. And there he is, Emmanuel Sanders, finally connected. Down in Nola, Emmanuel Sanders and the Saints faced off against the Packers on Sunday night football. Emmanuel and Drew Brees were clicking as he pulled in four passes for 56 yards and a touchdown. New Orleans held the lead into the fourth quarter, but Green Bay scored 10 points in the last nine minutes to win 37-30, handing the Saints their second straight loss. 
New Orleans slipped to one and two, but despite the loss, Emmanuel is still keeping his head up. As of right now, we're seeing one and two, uh, week three, and you know it sucks, but at the same time, you always got to look for the silver lining and everything. And there's no no reason to panic, no reason to worry. Uh, only thing we should panic and worry about is just coming to work every single day. I feel like uh, as a team, we could play better uh, all phases. I feel like we gotta we gotta play off each other more. We gotta feed off each other more. They played well, but we definitely should have won that game. You know, if you go back and you look at you know the the, the turnovers and uh, the penalties that we that we created on ourselves. I mean, we gave them points after points after points, and then uh, they had the explosive plays that they were able to create. And so we just gotta limit all those and play. We got and, and I said this after the game. We have to play a smarter brand of football. I'd rather it happen right now than at the end of the season. You know, I rather, I rather it come a time uh, at the end of the season we're in the playoffs and everybody's looking around and we and we go, look, we've been here before. There's no reason to panic. Let's correct this shit and and, and, and get and get it right, right? And so, sometimes you know you never know how the ending is gonna come. Uh, you never know who's going to be the champion at the end, but everybody goes through their fair share of battles that they got to overcome and things that they got to correct in order to stand on top of the mountain. And I'm just hoping that we just get our challenges early. Prescott is able to stay up to the end zone. It is picked. Seahawks take over. Jamal and the Seahawks won another thriller in Seattle, beating the Dallas Cowboys 38-31. But with Russell Wilson throwing close to five touchdowns a game, why are the Seahawks games so damn close? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I can't really answer that. I just think that, you know, a lot of the games that we, we were in, I mean, that we made close shouldn't have been close. You know what I mean? We should have honestly, you know, uh, took a bigger lead. Uh, than what it was, uh, but you know that doesn't downgrade the fact of who we're playing, man. Those are good ball ball clubs that we that we've played the past, um, you know, three weeks, and um, they always, you know, challenge us in, in certain ways, and and you know, it just keeps us on our, our toes. We have to continue to get better. All in all, our guys went two and one. That's solid. Although the Saints caught nail, every loss has its bright spots, and for our hosts that won. Even a big win can leave you feeling worse for the wear. Eric's touchdown catch came at a crucial time. It was a strange series. Uh, we get down to the red zone, we're moving the ball, then boom, boom, we're hit. Next thing you know, we're third and goal at the 10-yard line. Um, I'm like, damn. So I'm, I'm sitting in a huddle and I'm like, please, please, Randy, give us a play call that's going to allow somebody to make a play, please. Man, Ben started off with the play call. I was like, thank you, Jesus. We ran the same play in practice. So I'm like, it better work. Like, it better work. So we were just looking for the matchup, man. We were looking for to see who was going to try to play me when I went out wide. And we got exactly what we wanted. And, you know, it was it was really just a good job of Ben just putting his trust in me and to go up there and make a play. So I'm happy we got that out of the way because we were, we were looking ugly sitting at third and goal, man. We were about to go into the half, I think. Man, we need somebody needed to make a play. We were down 314, I think. Yep. And we went up uh 10. Yeah. I think we went up 10-14 off of that touchdown. So we needed that, man. We needed that to stay in the game. We needed that that change of momentum. So happy to come through. Despite the loss, Emmanuel was developing a rhythm with his Hall of Fame QB. After I caught the touchdown pass, he walked into me and uh gave him a hug and pretty much said, and that right there is the 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 icebreaker. 
So I hope I hope it is. Uh, uh, we got to build that chemistry. And unfortunately, we never had OTAs. We, didn't, we we really didn't have a true true training camp because you know people say yeah we were at training camp, but you just can't throw a guy in and be like yo go set eight reps in a row. You know you got to build it in. Uh, so we we missed out on a lot of time, even though he came out to Denver and threw with me for two days. That that doesn't make up for it. And so. Uh, right now, we're just trying to gain that chemistry in games and that practice, and uh, I'm just trying to earn his trust game by game and put it on film that I'm open whenever he needs me and I'm going to catch him whenever he needs me. And so, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out a way uh, to to get more catches, get more balls, and uh, win more games. Jamal's Hawks are unbeaten, but the injury bug bit Seattle this week, and Jamal was one of a handful of casualties. Yeah, I'm a little bit beat up right now. Obviously, not too for sure on this week uh, due to a little nagging, little injury that I had came up with. But it's part of the game, man. I, I was I'm, I was really down about it, um, you know, yesterday, and you know, obviously with um, you know the new trade going on. Obviously, I wanted everything to go perfect, but um, it's a bump in the road. Um, I'll be back soon. You know, next time I you know I do hit the field, it's it's gonna be on and rocking. Obviously, you know, things like this happen. Um, it's part of the game. And um, for me, it's about getting healthy. Um, and, and, and that's my main focus. Emmanuel, right now you guys are the second most penalized team in the league. That's got to be frustrating. It's just uh, week three, and I've never seen the type of calls that they're calling on the team over and over and over. And I've never been a part of a team where we're the second most penalized team, you know, and so – now just being on the sideline is just it's it's weird to see the penalties that happen. I'm like, you know, I've been in the league eleven years. I've never seen I never seen, you know, the calls that they make and then the calls that we don't get, you know, like I see a running back running down the the sideline and I see that the cornerback get held and I know the refs see it, but they don't throw it, you know, and so, you know, sometimes I sit back and analyze like, you know, what the heck is going on with these refs because you know, every every Friday, Shine, he he breaks down the refs to us, and he and he speaks so highly of them. And uh, you know, he would sit back and say, you know, this guy has been a referee for a long time, very respected around the league. I respect him, this and that. And then you know, you get in the game, and you're like, what the heck? Like we're not getting no calls, and it seems like the team is getting every single call. You know, and this has been going on, you know, at least for the past two weeks. I just see a lot of weird stuff going on with these refs. They are quick to throw those flags. I don't know if it's 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 us or I don't know. Like at one point, I started thinking, is it the black uniforms or something? I don't know. <laughs> Losing two straight is something Drew Brees isn't accustomed to. The chatter about him showing his age, especially throwing the deep ball, is growing louder. Emmanuel, what do you got to say to all of those who are losing faith in one of the goats? When you win it, it's like. Yeah, this team is the best team. Blase, 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 blase. And then when you lose, oh man, they don't have an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Then two weeks later, yeah, they 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 starting to get that chemistry back. They got an opportunity to win a Super Bowl. Nobody really knows. They emotions change week by week. You know, I, I remember in the bubble they were saying the Lakers are not gonna make the finals by the way that they're playing. You know, LeBron wasn't playing that well at first in the bubble. They, they're thinking about sex. They're thinking about this. They're thinking about that. They're thinking about that. That that. The Lakers will not win. It will not be in the NBA finals. Da, da, da. Now everybody, I knew that the Lakers was gonna be in the finals. Da, 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 da. So that's just how it goes, and that's just how people are. So you gotta block, you gotta block the outside noise, and uh, you gotta stay true to yourself, know who you are, and uh, you know Drew's a baller, man. 
No one is exempt from skepticism in the NFL. When Eric signed with Pittsburgh last spring, he said he hopes to be Big Ben's security blanket in the passing game. Even this early in the season, he had some questions to answer about his effectiveness in the offense. Just be patient. I'm new. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ben's been in the league 17 years, man. He's built chemistry with some of these dudes for a couple years. So I'm new, man. And it has really nothing to do with me learning the plays or anything. It just has to do with comfort, you know? And, and, and we're building that, that chemistry and that comfort level with no OTAs and none of that stuff. And I think Ben's starting to try to figure out what kind of player I am. It's easier to tell him what kind of player I am. It's harder, you know, to display that and show um, through time when you don't have that much time. So I think it's starting to figure it out, man. I think he's starting to figure out that I kind of see some of the things that he sees and we're starting to make plays and hopefully, you know, that can continue to progress and throughout time we just continue to dominate because those days like that are really fun. <laughs> One of the worst things you could be known for as an athlete is showing up on the blooper reel. So when second year wide receiver DK Metcalf was stripped at the half yard line while jogging into the end zone, the entire football world winced in pain on his behalf. Jamal, what do you say to your teammate after a play like that? It was kind of like, oh, damn. But, you know, at the same time, we knew, um, you know, he, 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 didn't, he didn't try to do that on purpose. You know, obviously he thought he was closer than what it appeared to be. Um, but, you know, we got to be smarter right there. That's, that's something that we can all learn from on offense and defense. You know what I mean? We've seen this, you know, um, a couple of times. He has to be smarter in that situation. And, I know he will, and I knew he would bounce back um, because I told him on the sideline. I said, "Man, you do that again, you know, you you and I are gonna fight." But uh, I knew I knew that he would bounce back, and he, and he did. Um, DK has been he's been having a hell of a you know a season so far, and um, he's playing he's playing he's playing like that guy that guy at, at receiver in the league, you know. Um, so he he's he's a tough matchup, man, and um, you know he's just only gonna get better, especially with Russ. Another teammate of Jamal's, free safety Quandre Diggs, was ejected from the New England game the previous week for a helmet-to-helmet hit on Pats wide receiver Nikhil Harry. Diggs was also fined 15K. In the run-up to the Cowboys game, Jamal threatened to unfollow Diggs on social media if he got tossed again, which reminded him of a time he got fined for a hit that wasn't even called a penalty in the game. I had uh, I come, to, come to work, man, uh, I think it was Wednesday, and I... Uh, I get hit with a fine. I get hit for $20,000, bro. $20,000. They said I made a hit. Um, I remember it was versus Russell Gage, Atlanta game. Um, he went low. I went low. And we kind of, you know, met helmet to helmet. And didn't get a flag. Didn't get, you know, ejected. Um, you know, Dan Quinn even came out and was like, yeah, the hit was not anything serious. You know, two guys competing went low, both went low, and they connected uh, helmet to helmet. It's like, man, it's it's honestly like, man, do you, I get no, I get the, you know, you don't, you don't want to, you want to take that, get the helmet to helmet rule. Um, you know, you want to take that out the game. I get that, right? But it's like, man, that's why we wear a helmet because <laughs> our helmets will collide with one another, right? And it's like, Come on, man. Like, what are we talking about? Like, we might as well just play without the helmets if you don't want our head, uh, our our helmets to, you know, connect, uh, you know, because it's going to happen in football, man. It's hard to avoid that. And, it, and it's tough for a, def a defender, especially, um, to, to, you know, get hit in the head or hit somebody else in the head. We're both 
you know, taking taking blows to the head. And it's like, if you're going to find me, you, you know, you should find the offensive player too. It's, it's just not fair, man. So it is what it is, man. I, you know, it's, it's part of the game. Seahawks coach Pete Carroll wasn't happy about the way his running back Chris Carson was tackled by a Cowboys defensive tackle that resulted in a left knee injury. Jamal, what's your thoughts on that play? Yeah, that was some BS. I ain't gonna lie, bro. Because it's like, you know, I get a gator roll, but once you get a roll, he's on the ground, let go. You don't got to keep on going. Like, it just didn't make sense. And, you know, obviously I'm going to fight for my teammate. You know, Chris is, is, is a hell of a guy. You know, I don't know why he would do that, what he was thinking. I mean, he was down on the ground. Then after he twisted his leg, there was another guy that came and kind of jumped on him. It was just unnecessary, man. Like, you know, I'm all for playing hard and I'm all for, you know, um, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, get these big hits or make a tackle, whatever the case may be. I'm a defensive player. I get it. But let's, let's keep it clean, man. I wonder how much he's going to get fined for that. You know, you, you hit me for 20K and it wasn't even a flag uh, for me. Uh, but, I mean, I'm known for being a big hitter in the league. So, at the end of the day, it's just the league trying to pick on me or whatever the case may be. But it is what it is. And MRI Monday revealed that, fortunately, Chris Carson only has a mild sprain and may be able to play this week when the Seahawks take on the one and two Dolphins in Miami. Jamal, what about you? If you can't go Sunday versus the Dolphins, will you have a role on the sidelines? I'm still playing. I'm just not on the field if I'm not out there. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm going to do whatever I can as a teammate, as a leader, as one of the leaders on the team and uh, just continue to be myself and, you know, continue to help those around me uh, because it's not about me, man. It's always bigger than me. Um, it's about this team. It's about coming home with a W um, and, and, and going for and up. It was just announced that the NFL is suspending Sunday's game between the Steelers and the Titans. Our guys knew going into this unprecedented season, this would be a possibility. It's crazy to me because I said to everyone, I said to myself, my family, everything. I said, by week three, we're going to have a problem. By week three, we will have a problem. I didn't know it was going to be the game we play, <laughs> but we got a problem. <laughs> and it's crazy because it's like, well, what do you do? You know what I'm saying? What do you do? Do we travel to go play them and risk our, our health, you know? Or, or you know, what about the Vikings? They just played the Vikings. So now do the Vikings opponent have to, you know? This is a chain reaction, and we knew we had we knew we had to stop a chain reaction because a chain reaction is a series of events. It's going to happen and keep happening. So we tried. I mean, we tried, but it happened. So there's so many different alternatives. There's so many different ultimatums about what what ultimately can we do. You know what I'm saying? Um, I got a couple days to figure this out. They better not take my bye week away, but my son's birthday party that week, like we we plan stuff, you know what I'm saying? Because we 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 already sacrificing for COVID. So now we we get this one week and now you want to take it away because of something that we couldn't control. So it's kind of like man, it's going to be weird, bro, but it's going to be weird. Ah, it's going to be weird. I just hope they don't take our bye week. <laughs> Emmanuel, you and the Saints have already faced the who's who list of star quarterbacks. And Sunday, you continued the trend, headed to Motown to face my former quarterback, Matt Stafford, in the one and two lines. I haven't really been able to watch film on him, but one thing's for sure, I'm happy we're playing in the dome. <laughs> so I'm excited about that, you know, uh, but, you know, playing against another good quarterback, we've 
past three weeks, we've had Derek Carr, we've had Tom Brady, and we have had Aaron Rodgers and now Matthew Stafford. So first four weeks, all Pro Bowl quarterbacks that we faced, you know, or have been to the Pro Bowl. So, uh, but at the end of the day, like, it's just all nameless faces to me. Uh, I just think about the goal, and the goal is to go out and win. I'm ready to not even have a close game. I'm ready to go out and, and ball out and not even make the game close. Like, that's that's what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm ready for a dominant performance because I know that we're capable of it. And so, you know, hopefully hopefully we can we can draw that up and be clicking. We got Mike coming back, and I know that, that I know Drew, Drew uh, loves that as well. Just having Mike there is another security blanket for him. And so, you know, hopefully, you know, we can start – you know, really grooming his offense and being an offense that, you know, we're supposed to be because we got so many weapons. And uh, we, we, I just feel like the sky's the limit for us. Kentucky tonight, protesters calling for justice for Breonna Taylor after a grand jury chose not to charge any officers with her death. Instead, one officer involved in Taylor's killing, former detective Brent Hankison, was indicted on wanton endangerment charges for the gunshots that went into other apartments that night. The Kentucky Attorney General saying the other two officers were justified in the shooting. One of the most unforgettable aspects of 2020 has been the social justice movement in the United States, which has made an indelible mark on the sports world in countless ways. As the most popular league in America, the NFL has found itself in the center of conversations about police brutality, racial injustice, and political activism for years. This week on The Huddle Up, Jamal, Eric, and Emmanuel keep it all the way real about the Breonna Taylor shooting, their experiences with racism, and their role as athletes as part of the bigger picture. Jamal, get it started. Yeah, it hasn't changed. It's it's the same old BS. Um, you know, people they so apparently they gave like twelve million dollars or something to the family. It's like, bro, that that doesn't that doesn't bring a life back. You know, I mean, it it, it, it wrong is wrong, right is right, and I always said that. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a bunch of BS. Um, you know, for for people to still not understand why us as black people are still beating on our chest screaming um if you don't understand by now it's like something's wrong with you as a, as a human um if you don't see what what we're going through something's wrong as a human it's a reason why everybody needs to vote not even just for the the president but um everybody you know in the state and in local and whatever the case may be you have to vote and, and you need to vote and i i will admit i was not Register to vote um, until um, all all of this started to you know occur and go down um, because I always felt like my vote didn't it didn't matter because it was going to be the same old stuff um, and but the, every vote counts and every every vote matters um, but I just hope that man you know I, I don't I don't try to tell anybody what to do or who to vote for or whatever the case may be but I mean open your eyes man just open your eyes if you if you really have not change your viewpoints and if you're still voting for it voting for trump after all of this that is going on it's like bro you're a racist like there's no there's no in there's no like in and out of about it like you're you're a racist like you you're you don't have a good heart i, I just don't respect you so um i just hope that you know the world um continues to hopefully become a better place and and learn to love one another and um 
All lives don't matter until black lives matter. It's not rocket science, man. Emmanuel, what do you think? You know, I told somebody probably like a month ago that I knew what the verdict was going to be. You know, I knew if they have an angle out, they're always going to try to find that angle out if this is the reason why or that is the reason why. So I knew it was going to occur. Um, and, you know, even when I saw I said, man, I hope I hope they do the right thing. But I don't ever see them doing the right thing because name a time that they've ever done the right thing. Uh, it's just a sad situation. You know, I'm praying for the family and uh, death has been really close to me uh, in my life. And I know uh, how it affects how it affects people, how it makes people feel. And it's just a sad situation. Eric, your thoughts? You know, I try to do as much reading up upon and as much thing as the Breonna Taylor case or incident or anything. And the only thing that I could continuously revert back to is we are we are losing the value of a life. I think so many people are dying that we're losing the value of life. Like, I don't want to get spiritually, but we had one person sacrifice to show you ultimately how valuable a life is for another life. And the other life was everyone else's. I just don't think people understand how important that one person in this world could be. You know what I'm saying? That kid that never get, got to grow up could have been the next whatever. That adult that was on the verge of whatever that, you know, that person just ended or, you know, it's crazy, man. And what about the kids and the families and the, the person that, that the people that were leaning on that person that is no longer here? Or like, say, if I was to, you know, disappear tomorrow, how many people value, you know, my life, meaning how many people lean on and how many people I represent every day. Man, it's crazy, man. And I just think as a world, we're losing that. Emmanuel, do you consider yourself to be an activist? No, I'm not an activist. I, I And the only reason why I say that is because I don't do enough studying and I don't do enough, you know, uh, in terms of trying to seek knowledge about it. One of my teammates, they asked an interesting question because they said, look, my my whole life, you know, some people have been act, they're activists and uh, they say, uh, you know, they've been reading books and been interested in this stuff their whole life. You know, uh, they've been like reading up on this stuff and this is what they're passionate about. And he goes, my passion is playing football. Right. Like my passion and my and what I love to do is, is to play football and People say, well, with the platform you have now, you have to be an activist, right? And it's like, but I don't know enough to even try to be an activist. So how is that fair to me that you say that now I have to speak up on certain issues when I don't know anything about it? Because I've been a football player my whole life. Yeah, I have a platform. And so that's how I am, too, because one thing you got to realize as an athlete, if you don't know what you're talking about and you say the wrong thing, the thing can go viral and you don't really you don't even have the knowledge about it, you know, and so. You know, I just try to I just try to stay to what I know. Uh, it's a lot of sad stuff that's going on in the world in terms of just uh, racism stuff. Um, but this, this stuff has been going on. I grew up in a small town of Belleville, Texas. And I said that, you know, it was a lot of racism in Belleville, my hometown. But just growing up in the South, it's a lot of racism. And so it just blows my mind that people it just keeps coming up every single year and people try to act like it's not a real thing when truthfully it is a real thing and and so you know 
what I've learned is just growing up in the South is just just worry about yours and worry about your family and just try to try to try to do what's best for you and try to be the best version of uh, 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 of the person that you can be and let God handle the rest. And so that's just where I stand on it. Jamal, you wanted to give props to LeBron. I think Bron does a hell of a job as far as leading um, because I DM'd him not too long ago, just said thank you. Um, you know, just appreciate, you know, for what he's been doing, um, you know, as one of the top athletes in the world. You know what I mean? And um, he hasn't hit me back yet, but <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but nah, nah, I, re I respect what he's doing, man, and, and using his platform and not letting anybody control his life or say how he needs to move or shut up and dribble. Because there's plenty of times I've been told in my DMs, man, just just play football. Nah, I ain't playing, just playing football. I'm gonna speak on what's, what's real and what's right. Like if you don't see, you know, what what's going on, then again, <laughs> you're a racist. And I've, I've been been called the N-word plenty of times, even for making a decision to bet on myself on my career and, and, and have a happy career uh, by being traded. <laughs> like, you know, so it, it's just, it's crazy what, um, you know, us as black people go through um, that most don't understand. Um, you know, when I, when I have on, I feel, I feel the most safe, honestly, when I'm in, in, in Seattle gear and <laughs> when I'm in the building outside of that, I'm just a black man. You know, when I leave, when I leave work, I'm, a, I'm fear for my life. It's something that we got to keep educating on, keep educating people on, man, because uh, it's getting scary, bro. It really is. In pregame ceremonies before the season opener in KC, Chief and Texan players linked arms in a show of unity and brotherhood and fans in attendance booed. How did that make you feel? It was just crazy. And I mean, pretty much everybody said what they had to say. Like, there was no flag involved. So the fact that you're booing just lets you know that what you were upset about was never the flag in the first place. So we make our points, man, and everyone acts oblivious to it. And everyone acts like, you know, it is what it is. And hey, we're doing this because of the American flag, man. You can run with that story all you want to. Shit ain't never been about the flag. Shit ain't never been about us disrespecting our army, our military, and our services, man. My grandfather fought. Four wars, bro. What makes you think I would ever want to disrespect the flag? My father was in the Marines, you know? Like, it ain't never been about the flag. But at the same time, my people that came back, my grandfather that came back didn't come back to the same stuff that everybody else's grandfather came back to. You know what I'm saying? My grandfather didn't come back to, you know, a big house and nice cars and um, a great lifestyle. Nah, he came back to living in an old folks' home, someone taking care of them and ultimately passing away from Parkinson's disease in which we act like we couldn't do anything about, you know? And that comes from, I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably had so much shell shock, you know what I'm saying? And it develops and all of these things. So at the end of the day, man, it ain't never been about our American flag. And as we are Americans, we love America. You know, it's given us a great opportunity to do this. Like I get to play football and entertain and, and, and take care of my family while doing it. Like it ain't never been about America. It's just been about equality and everyone getting what everyone deserves in an equal way. Eric, the Steelers are one of the keystone franchises in the NFL. Do you have a team protocol when it comes to kneeling or not kneeling during the national anthem? Does it come from coach Tomlin? 
He just leaves that up to us, pretty much. And I think we just we just continue to show unity, man, because at the end of the day, it's not it's not about you like kneeling because it's not about the flag. You know what I'm saying? Like we 100 percent respect the kneel and 100 respect 100 percent respect what Colin Kaepernick has started because ultimately it has started with him. But at the end of the day, it's not about the flag, bro. So we just want to continue to show unity and that. Every color that's standing there has every color that's standing there is back. And it's not about who wants to kneel and who who thinks such and such. We just we're just one unit, man. We're just one team and we want to continue to show that and hopefully everyone else can feel that, man. It's not about color, it's not about race, it's not about sex, it's just one big happy family. And that's it. That's all we are. Jamal, where do you stand on protesting during the anthem? I respect uh everybody's decision um, whether you want to come out or whether you want to sit down or whether you want to whatever uh, for me it was it's, it's about you know showing that I'm proud to be black man I just stand with my fist my fist tall um, you know I always I always look back on that that picture at the Olympics you know two two black men standing just fist fist up standing proud you know what I mean and, and that's how that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to show people I'm proud to be black. Jamal mentioned he wasn't registered to vote before this year. Emmanuel, are you registered to vote? Yeah, yeah, I am registered to vote. Uh, and like I said, I, I, I know that it, it has to happen. Um, this is topics that I don't care to go about. It's topics that I'd rather discuss in my living room. And everybody knows that, again, America was built by white people. And, you know, at the end of the day, Santa Claus is white. Uh, Jesus Christ is white. This is a white. This is white America. And so you got to understand exactly where you're living at and understand exactly what's going on. Yeah, you try to fight for those rights and you do. And I'm not okay with it. I'm not sitting up here saying that I'm okay with any of it because all of it pisses me off. But again, the only way that we can go about making change is by by putting the right people in power. And so um, that's what that's what we're trying to do. When it comes to racial inequality, social injustice, I look at this from a different perspective. My grandfather, Johnny Burleson, my dad's dad, was in the Navy. He served this country. And then when he came back on his own land in San Francisco, was approached in a park and beaten by a police officer. My father, who was 17 at the time, came home from school as a junior in high school. His mom, my granny, says, Al, your father just got killed. My dad shocked, sitting back like, what happened? He was beaten by the police. A couple days later, he goes to the morgue to identify the body. And this is his exact words that I didn't find out till recently. He said, Nate, when they opened that drawer, the one thing I couldn't help but to notice is he has so many knots on his head. So when you ask me, how do I feel about this country? I say, it's a great country. Can it be better? Yes. How do I feel about the men and women that serve us? I salute them. They're the real superheroes. How do I feel about our military? Thank you for fighting for us. How do I feel about police brutality? It exists. Systemic injustice, it exists. Discrimination, it exists. Racism, it exists. I can stand for the flag and salute to those in my family and people all over this world that fight for this country. But I also understand and will take a knee for those lives lost, including my grandfather. And for those that are mad about it, this ain't nothing new. Look at some of the athletes from yesteryear. Tim Brown, 
Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Muhammad Ali, those who ran in the Olympics and put the black fist up. This isn't new. Life just repeats itself. And I'm glad we got athletes that will put their money aside, their brand aside, their name aside, and stand on the right side of history. Before we close the show, it's time for quick outs. Eric, tell us what you enjoy doing when you're not playing football. Really, I'm a gamer, man. And other, when I'm not that, honestly, I think my new hobby is falling in love with being a dad. I'm gonna be honest. Since I haven't been around my kids much, and I just, I just was with them this weekend, man. It just has. I just had so much fun with them. They're getting older. They're starting to understand more. You know, my my little boy, I I could tell him something and he'd be like, okay, and like he'll get it. And it's cool, man. Like, I think that's like my new hobby is just being a dad, bro. It's, it's like super dope. Uh, other than that, when my kids aren't around, I'm a gamer. Uh, Call of Duty 2K, PGA 2K, you know, what else I play? Avengers. I'm a gamer, man. Waiting for that PS5 to drop. Sony holla at me, you know what I'm saying? I ain't got time for all these pre-orders. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I'm a gamer, man. That's pretty much it. Emmanuel, how about you? Any hobbies? Uh, I'm watching my kids. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, but if if it's in the offseason, I'm on the golf course all the time. I play a lot of golf, man. Uh, you know, my life is a revolve around, you know, really my family and then football. Because once you have kids, it's hard to really have a hobby. Jamal, what interests you most off the field? I'm into fashion, bro. I'm really into fashion. Um, as you see, you know, I'm always doing the looks and whatnot. I'm really into fashion. I'm really into movies. And I'm really into music. I like to listen to a lot of music um, just to relate to and um, kind of reflect on myself. And um, music, you know, it's helped me in every way, shape or form. You know what I mean? And uh, anytime I'm listening to music, I'm always trying to gain knowledge. Okay, Jamal, you fancy, huh? What's your favorite accessory to rock? Mm, watch. Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have a, you gotta have a nice watch, man. And I'm not talking about the bust down watches. I ain't, uh, I ain't into that. APs, Richard Millies, Rolex, just classy, man. You know, keep it, keep it classy, keep it player. Eric, what do you think of games ending with a tied score? A tie? I mean, no one likes a tie. I mean, since when has a tie ever been cool? Like, I didn't grow up being like, oh, man, it's a tie. Like, we grew up like, nah, man, somebody got to win. When we fought, when we fought, you know, fight your brother or you fight a stranger or, or you have a confrontation, we don't say, all right, bro, it's a tie. You know what I'm saying? We go out there and we try to slug it out to win. So, um, I don't, I've never been a fan of ties. I've never had a tie, so I can't share my emotions about it, but I'm not a cool, I'm not cool with ties. I don't even wear a tie. Emmanuel, what are your thoughts on the NFL's overtime rules? I don't like ties in the NFL, so obviously that has to change. You know, like, they have to create like a sudden death or something, even in a regular season. Like, it has to be some type, like, whether it's like you put the ball on the two-yard line and you know what I mean? One team gets the opportunity, the other team, you go until it's just, you know, y'all go until somebody scores or somebody stops them, right? Or, or have a competition with field goal kickers that it just keeps going back. Like, it just goes the farther and further back, the field goal kickers will put the pressure on them or something, right? Like, there's plenty of ways to go sudden death, right? And so they got to create some. It can't be no ties in the regular season. It's ridiculous. What's your take on the Titans' COVID-19 outbreak? How would you handle the situation? You got to forfeit because at the end of the day, 
everybody, everybody around, like right now, if the Saints, if the Saints get it, we got to forfeit the game because at the end of the day, nobody has COVID right now. So I'm, I'm at work and I'm at home because I'm not trying to get it right. So somebody around that building stepped outside of that building and did something that they weren't supposed to do with it. So it's not the team's fault. Like if I got a if I got a bye week and I'm Eric Ebron now and they said now I gotta play this team on my bye week, well, I, it's costing me because you guys made that mistake, right? Y'all gotta forfeit that game. I'm sorry, you know. So, so this is what it is. Before we go, we gotta lock in your picks for the NBA Finals. Jamal, who you got? Man, ain't nobody beating the Lakers, man. But it's it's gonna be closer than what people think, man. The Heat is playing some good ball, man. Some good team ball and. Um, you know, Tyler Hero is doing his thing, man, and uh, Jimmy Buckets is doing his thing. But Bronze, he's tapped into another level, man, and AD's on another level. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be very competitive. I can't wait to watch it. I definitely got the king with this one, man, because he he gets a lot of hate, and everybody be hating on on, on LeBron, but he's that guy, man. You, obviously, you seeing Paul Pierce, he finally. He's growing up, man. He finally gave him some praise. It's like, bro, quit hating, bro. <laughs> like, just get a man his praise, man. Eric, you picking LeBron and the Lakers too? Go James and six. Easy. It might not even go six. Go James. LeBron James, yeah. yeah. That boy gonna go get that number four. He gonna go get four. He, he, he gonna go get four. I'm all for it. I'm here to watch it. I'm happy I'm old enough to, to, to tell my kids about it. I wasn't able to see MJ, you know what I'm saying? I'm 27. I ain't get to see that. I get to watch LeBron James, though. So I'm going to just enjoy it, man. Everybody want to debate and talk crazy. I mean, I'm still a big MJ fan. I went to Carolina, but I get to enjoy LeBron James. So I'm about to just watch the homie go crazy. Man, tell him to send me a pair of shoes or two. He can sign it if you want to, but it's whatever. LeBron James, I'm ready for it. Emmanuel has a shout out to Eric for his big game. Congrats to Eric. I mean, Eric a baller. I mean, it ain't like it's his first NFL touchdown. You know what I mean? Like, he's he been doing it. Dude was in the Pro Bowl last year. That's my dog. Jamal wanted to let Eric and Emmanuel know he's paying attention. Shout out to my guy. You know, they doing their thing, man. And, uh, you know, I'm always pulling for him. Just stay, stay safe and stay healthy out there, man. And, you know, obviously stay prayed up because it's a rough game. Uh, but those guys are balling, man. And, and, and they've been ballers. Um, so salute to them. And Eric wants to let Emmanuel know he's watching. My boys, man, Jamal, man, I saw the little, I saw the whole play. You know what I'm saying? And I know you do a good job of taking care of your body, bro. So come back even stronger. That'd be that'd be a minor setback. We not even tripping on that. And Emmanuel, you know, big ups, bro. You know, bounce back week. You know, we've been in the league a long. You've been in the league longer than I have, but I've been in the league a long time. You've been in the league a long time to know that, you know, bad weeks is never, never, never last long. So, you know, put that in the rear seat. Way to bounce back, score a touchdown. It is what it is. Just continue to progress and y'all will be straight. I hope you enjoyed this episode of 17 Weeks. This show is brought to you by Uninterrupted, SiriusXM, and Pandora. You can listen on demand on SiriusXM and for free on the Pandora app. The show is available on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms. Wherever you listen to it, though, be sure to subscribe so you can get notified when a new episode drops every Thursday. If you like it, if you like what you heard, and I know you did because this podcast fire. Spread the love and share the show. You know what I'm saying? I'm your host, Nate B. Shout out to my co-hosts, Jamal Adams, Emmanuel Sanders, and Eric Ebron. This show is executive produced by John Fontanelli. Our producer is Josh Rodriguez. 
And our associate producer is Logan Castrodale. Editing and sound designed by Chris Weatherspoon. Our writer is John McLaughlin, Chris Tyler, Andrew Emmer, Brandon Gitches, and Andy King are our producers for SiriusXM in Pandora. Archival courtesy of the NFL and NBC News. All right, till next week, we out.